You're listening to the Buildify Method Podcast, where we're all about mindset, systems, and profit. As a nationally recognized business consultant, coach, and speaker, your host, Aaron Keith, is passionate about supporting the entrepreneur community by sharing his knowledge gained from coaching over 10,000 entrepreneurs in nearly 20 years at companies ranging from billion-dollar enterprises and celebrities all the way to Main Street and small startups. Each Buildisode's blunt, no-bullshit conversation is led by Aaron along with his co-host, Ryan Coyne, a veteran tech consultant and nationally recognized speaker. Each week, Aaron and Ryan deconstruct mental and physical aspects of the topics that challenge all successful entrepreneurs, while also providing coaching, insight, and specific advice on distinctions that affect all growth-minded entrepreneurs. So listen up. It's time to work on your business, not just in your business. Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Aaron Keith, and I welcome you all back to the Buildify Method podcast. I'm joined by co-host, Mr. Ryan Coyne. Thank you so much, Aaron. And today is a very, very big day on the Buildify Method podcast. We have an esteemed special guest, and today's episode is called How to HR Like a Badass. Oh, yeah. Why is it called that? Maybe it has something to do with that special guest that we have so, Katrina, thank you so much for joining us today. You are one of the best in the entire world at what you do. Okay, your reputation precedes yourself. Your your branding is incredible. Um, you're always on point with the witty zingers and the retorts and stuff like that. And you run your business <laughs> just as adeptly as a skilled comedian would uh, set in front of a crowd. Go, thank you so much for joining us. Please go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh my gosh! Thank you. So <laughs> <much>. <laughs> Um, well, my name is Katrina Gazarian, also known as Kat. Um, I am the CEO and founder of Game Day HR, which is an outsourced HR services firm. We also do direct hire placement. Um, I do think that my um, comedic zings or wittiness comes from a lack of attention and love growing up. <laughs> so this was my way <laughs> of getting everybody to pay attention to me. Um, but yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. We're, we're stoked to have you. I mean, listen, this is a conversation that a lot of people just don't have entrepreneurs, business owners, people avoid HR like the plague. So I'm really excited to kind of really turn over the microphone to you today and have Ryan and I pepper you with some questions and really just get into HR. So I want people to leave this podcast episode one excited about HR, actually being open to diving into their own HR for their company, and two, having a newfound respect and interest in really developing the HR in their company. So Ryan, with that, let's let's get into this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the biggest question that we've gotten lately, especially as a result of the changes in the world, and it also kind of comes up in our private coaching and consulting we do with people all the time, people are always looking for advice as a business owner you know, somebody who's running their company and the staff is either all virtual still, or maybe they were virtual before the pandemic and they were, you know, pandemic hipsters, um, or they have a combo of virtual and in-person staff, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so how can those business owners keep their culture in place and solidified and keep developing it even as they enter a new hybrid work environment? That's what everybody's talking about. Oh, man. And we'd love to hear your thoughts. So... One thing that I always go back to when I get questions like this about 
our employees and what do we do and how do we navigate through this and what do they want is ask them. Ask them and collect the data that is necessary to build these initiatives. I mean, I could sit here and tell you, you know, you should have Zoom happy hours or you should offer an allowance for a home office or I can tell you all of the multitudes of of options out there. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to your people and what they value and what they want. And so I always tell everyone to start with some type of a survey, an anonymous survey, asking questions in regards to how you're defining culture. How do you define culture as a company or how were you defining it before? Was it, you know, employee satisfaction? Was it employee engagement? Was it employees feeling valued? Was it perks and benefits? Was it foosball um, at the office? I mean, how are you defining culture for your organization? And then administer a survey asking those questions about how now do those people feel about all of the things that you're doing? What do they like the least? What do they like the best? What would they like to see you offer? Do they feel valued in their work? Do they have the resources that they need to be successful? Do they prefer a flexible schedule? Do they want to come back to the office? Do they not want to come? Just asking them Mm -hmm. questions and collecting that data will help companies build initiatives around that data. Because whatever the culture was pre-pandemic, I can guarantee you it is not going to be the culture moving (laughs) forward. Oh, my gosh. That was the truth. That was a a laundry list of goodies. I hope all of you listening are just like, yep, yep, uh uh-huh, and that (laughs) one too. That was awesome. So here's kind of also what I heard inside of how you said that was actually ask. Have have people that are interested in finding out from your staff, what do they need? What do they want? What matters to them? I hear so many entrepreneurs that are like, oh yeah, we're just gonna, we're just gonna do a dinner, you know, once in a while. There's, they just kind of set it and forget it. There's no thought. There's no interest. Does your staff even care about that kind of stuff? So I love what you just said about that. That's great. Thank you. And, you know, I've seen example after example of this happening. Hey, Katrina, what do you think about this? We're thinking about um, offering zero interest uh, payday advances to our employees. That's great. I, I think that's a great idea. How often are your employees taking out payday advances? Right. <laughs> um, we don't know. <laughs> well, not sure if that's something you really want to pay for as an organization if you don't have employees that are actually going out and getting, you know, payday loans that for high interest rates. I mean, you have to you have to know the data before you start paying for things and building initiatives around things. That was something about LinkedIn that I'm having I struggle with myself is you have a lot of people um, that are culture connoisseurs. And I know the intention for them is is to do well and they mean well. But at the end of the day, the, the types of things that they're talking about has nothing to do with the actual data of an organization. And so I, unfortunately, a lot of CEOs and founders get caught up in all of the information that's out there. And so they see something, yeah. they read it and they're like, oh, okay, um, that sounds good. Maybe I'll try that without really... Right determining do your employees even want that and exactly. how much is that going to cost yeah you see that happen with gift giving and all different kinds of relationships too right where you find something that you think is cool and you buy it for them and it's aren't you excited but they didn't actually want that or it's not well placed you know love languages are another example of that absolutely that what's, what the boss gets excited about is not necessarily in line with what the employees actually want and to your point, asking them is a fantastic thing to do. It's an employee yes. love languages. We need to write a book on Makes employee sense. love languages or staff love languages. 
So I'm, I'm already, I'm already there. I'm already there. One, oh, one thing I do. Plug it. To, plug it. One What's thing, the book? No, it's not a plug, but for what Ryan was saying about love languages or even like a topic where it's like treat people the way you want to be treated. No, you treat people the way they want to be treated. I can't tell you how many times I've heard CEOs say, well, if I were an employee, this is what I would want. <laughs> you aren't an employee. When was the last time you were an employee? You're not relatable in this arena. It doesn't right. matter what you want. It's what they want. So in, in love languages, yes, it's what. how are they going to feel valued and loved and appreciated, just like yeah. in a romantic relationship? Absolutely. So I'm, Katrina, no, for sure. I'm, well, I'm well, curious. Yeah. Katrina, I'm curious on your view on this. So when I work with a lot of CEOs and founders, there's a couple of things I usually throw out. So I want to get your feedback on this. One, budget. There's a lot of founders and CEOs, especially when they're newer at this, they don't actually have an allocation or a budget to this. So when this topic comes up, they get a little like, wait, 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 I don't know if we can afford it. We can't not afford it. This has to be built into your budget. This has to be built in there to your business. Two, I like to call it a culture committee on a small organization. Get a few employees together. Rotate every quarter, but have one or two employees each quarter dedicated to the culture so that it's really coming and being sourced through the staff. What do you think of a culture committee? What do you think of having a, a budget for this for a company? I do believe that culture committees are beneficial to organizations. Um, obviously, depending on how big they are, could play a part in that as well. Sure. However, they still need to report and have some type of person in a strategic position to oversee what they're doing. For example, I have a client who they they were they have a culture committee. The gal that reached out to me as part of the culture committee uh, when she was explaining to me the things that were happening, there was no, she just was not well versed in HR mm. practices or st strategies. So there was no way she was going to be able to build out these initiatives without the help of somebody like me, like an expert. So yes, culture committee, but also you need a high level pr strategy person to help out, even if it's just a couple of consulting hours. I mean, we talk right. about budget. Some of that needs to be allocated to making sure you're working with a strategic partner to help the culture committee with these initiatives or else, you know, they're going to hire a taco man when, you know, 75% <laughs> of their staff is vegetarian. Right. So hence we need a Katrina so in your life. Objectivity, awareness, and <laughs> someone yeah, like me. Right. It doesn't have to be me. Someone like me. But I think this is the oh, point, sure, though, right? I mean, sure. this, that, this that's is fantastic. And this is why we want to do a podcast like this, right? Is we we understand the value that a lot of small entrepreneurs or even mid, medium size they haven't found a really great outsourced HR company or possibly ready for the in-house HR person. It's so important to have a person like this in your corner. Yeah. I agree. And that was why I started the HR Sucks podcast um, was really to get the attention of probably people like your clients who would listen to something like that and kind of relate to it and understand that, number one, it's really not that hard mm -hmm. when you have a high level person or somebody who literally is passionate about this more than anything else who can help you navigate through these issues. Um, and it's also very fun. It's not as, as bad as I think it has been made out to be. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, I, I can agree with that for sure. And I think the biggest thing that we see with people's hesitance to kind of lean more into the topic is that not everybody is willing to go toward the tough conversations that sometimes are necessary, which is also a plug for previous Buildify web, webinars and podcasts and different things like that, which I will be linking in the description 
of this podcast episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that kind of takes us to our next question. So uh, maybe it's the same thing as their same answer, but we'll, we'll see if you could tell every entrepreneur and business owner, one thing about HR that they would actually tune in and lock in and hear it really loudly and clearly articulating the thoughts, letting it soak into the basal ganglia, <laughs> not just a wash over kind of thing. Okay. <laughs> what would that be? What would you tell them if you knew it was going to be laser targeted into the center of their brain? Oh, I'm in Google basal ganglia. That's up here, right? Not like anywhere south. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it's in the brain. In the okay. brain absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Um, take a okay. take a take a left at the at the amygdala and you'll okay. can't miss it. Yeah. Got it. I would say it will make or break your longitudinal success or your business. That's it. It it will if you do not pay attention to your people and the initiatives. You know, let's just put the compliance stuff aside. You know, you could pay a lawyer a ridiculous amount of money for them to make sure you're okay, you know. Right. But that's the misconception is, will we have an employment lawyer? They are not. They don't care about your culture. They care about whether you get sued or not. There's a right. huge difference. In most cases, companies are not in that position of getting sued or have a huge liability or vulnerability to being sued. But people and making sure that they're productive and valued I think makes or breaks an organization's longitudinal success. I actually wrote an entire blog about this on how important it is to your bottom line, your profits, um, and how long you end up being in business for by making sure your people come first. That's awesome. That lands on me big for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you mentioned about the, the spirit of what you're saying about the attorneys and stuff like that. To you, does it kind of feel like companies, uh, some some of them, until they meet you, of course, they only look at HR as a commodity, like a boxed check, almost like the the robotic, just the term human resources, just like you might say cloud resources or yeah. petroleum resources. It's just humans are, is that something that you notice in that and that companies need to have this like groundswell shift in their attitude towards HR? Well, yeah, think about it. Um, no one, you, you know, you and all three of us can agree about the association we make with the term HR, whether we were an employee, whether we're the employer, whether we're, you know, the mm -hmm. HR person, there's always a lot of negative associations to the department. If we just changed, it's because we were so heavy on transactional, mechanical and compliance work. Right. If we actually changed our perception of human resources, at least going back to what it was originally humans of an organization, um, I think that people would enjoy it a lot more. I think founders, when they could see like the, the needle moving by putting yeah. this effort into their people. And when I say effort, y'all, I'm not saying pumping a bunch of money. What I'm saying is even if the people who are not happy with your organization having a compassionate and loving approach to them in their separation with the company could be the best thing you ever could do for them. So yeah. it's having, it's also having those tough conversations when you can see that, that needle moving, I feel human resources is the funnest department of all the departments in a company because human resources is the only department that touches every employee, no pun intended, 
Mm. but touches every employee of an organization on a very frequent basis. No other department does that with the exception of if payroll is is in the accounting department, right? right? right. But outside of that, HR is the only department that has access to every single person in an organization. There's just so much to do there. Yeah, it's powerful. Because it doesn't run itself. So yeah, it is. So, so if you think that the term HR gets a bad rep, what would you call it instead? You know, I, I've seen organizations get really creative with titles um, and, and changing the department name and things like that. I don't think the, I don't, I don't believe the solution is to change it, is to change the name of it. It doesn't really matter what you call it. And, and I say that even... Aaron, I'm sure when you work with startups and they're trying to figure out the name of their organization, the name doesn't really matter no. outside of like SEO or, yeah. you know, marketing standpoint. It's really just what, yeah, what the company is about. It's really what they're doing and how they're going about solving a problem. So yeah. I don't believe human resources should be called anything other than human resources. I think we just need to change the essence of the department. Yeah, I think to to your point, it, it's a culture shift, uh, sorry, a context shift, right? It's mm-hmm. it's indoctrinating not only everything from the CEO to the uh, C-suite down down to the janitor. You know, everyone really has to have a new relationship of what this department is and how it benefits everybody. Like you said, HR has a direct correlation and impact to human performance. And I don't think a lot of CEOs or founders mm-hmm draw that conclusion enough. They think it's this necessary evil where I have to have a really good attorney, it's expensive, and I just don't want to deal with it. At least that's what I hear from a lot of the people that I end up working with versus having a powerful relationship to it. And, you know, Ryan knows this, and you, you may have heard a little bit of this, Katrina. When uh, when I sold my last company six, eight months ago now, our culture was something that was was built into our weekly checklist. So during our meeting agenda, our culture was actually one of the things that we stopped and dealt with. Our customer experience was something we stopped and dealt with. It was built into the essence of what the company was, is we wanted to change it from, from conception. We wanted to be a very open door, very transparent company where people really felt empowered to do their job. So we didn't, we didn't micromanage much. So I, I think to your point, if it's something that we can kind of change the essence of, it makes a difference for all parties involved because it touches every person, like you said, in the organization. Totally agree. I 100% agree. And, um, you know, I think something that you said about being about when you sold your company six to eight months ago, I'm heavily involved in a lot of equity transactions with my Mm. clients or on an advisory board or a board member. Um, And I can tell you that these days, if you want to raise capital, If you want to be acquired or sold or whatever that looks like, your culture is going to take on a much more important role than it ever has before. Because now investors um, are looking at your turnover rate, your employee liability and, you know, the likelihood you you just went through a whole due diligence process. I don't know if investors you worked with. Yeah, it, it put any emphasis on the culture or or oh, yeah. the um, the yeah the the analytics behind HR, but mm-hmm. that's something that I think startup founders or founders need to understand is you can have the best product out there, 
But if you don't have the team to carry on the product, you're going to have a hard time raising capital and, and raising oh, yeah. capital with good partners. Yeah. I mean, when I've yeah, seen examples of that recently in the space. Yeah. When, when I sold the company, the, you actually know the gentleman who, who bought the company. Um, we were all, we all hung out and we, we were with him recently. Um, one of the things that he did check on was, you know, our turnover rate, you know, we're, we're amazing. We had next to no turnover. All of our employees have been with us for a very long time. And yeah, you're, you're right. It's something that so many people are, are just not paying attention to. And it's, it's interesting, right? Because you see a lot of these founders where, you know, it's the year before they want to sell, like, all right, I'm selling this year. And then they start paying attention to all these metrics and like, oh, culture is not that easy to turn around. You can't turn it around in like 30 days. Not like that. And so mm -hmm. you have all these people that in the, in the 11th hour, they're trying to completely retool this and change all these metrics. Man, it is something you really want to get ahead, really get ahead of. Right. I, I just recently finished with a client who did a $30 million Series A, and it took us about 12 months to get them where they needed to be before going into the due diligence process. Wow. Um, so... That's, that's, that's amazing yeah, so, to hear. And, right. And, and they successfully closed it. It was a great transaction. You know, was, we were all very happy with how it ended up working out. But let's just say, you know, they invested $20,000 to get everything up and running for $30 million Series A. That's a hell of a return. Great return. So I, I, love I, it. I, I yeah. And congratulations, by the way. And yes, I do know him and he's an awesome person. Yeah. And these, these founders. Wasn't this special? Ah, uh, the, the Gen X family, it's a, it's a small family. What can we say? And you know, you, you have these, these Gen X. So we're, we're both part of Gen X. The Gen X is a, is an organization that's interested in making a difference in the next generation. So Katrina, I, and, and many of our friends are all in Gen X. And you know, the gentleman who acquired uh, Spark Health is, is also one of our members and very seasoned entrepreneur, done just amazing things in his career. And so it was, it was actually very educational for me. Ryan and I actually did a podcast on this when I was selling. And it was so educational for me to watch such a seasoned entrepreneur come into the company, right? And me being on the receiving end of this and watching how he approached his due mm -hmm. diligence, looking at how he interviewed all the staff and how he looked at our metrics and looked at the KPIs around it. And also the work he did to lay the, the context of the culture moving forward into the new ownership. It was brilliant how he laid it out, super smooth. He still hasn't lost any staff. We've retained everybody. Uh, just, I, I, I'm still a, a client there and I still go and see everybody. And yeah, it's, it's really amazing when you see a founder who really understands this world. It's really, really great. I, I love that you're doing this for founders, man. It is such a needed service that you're providing. Yeah, I love it. I mean, that's how I got my start was, you know, within I went independent and within the first year I had one client doing a private equity round at a hundred million dollar valuation and wow. another client doing a 40 ish percent exit on $18 million, two completely different companies. There was no way I could template what I did with one with the other. And this is my first year. And so I was like, what the hell am I doing? I don't know how to do any of this. Like I just, I could make a handbook, but, but I went through, it was about an eight months, like eight month process of just being in this tunnel and, and felt like there was no way out. But once I got out of it, 
I was so grateful for those opportunities because then I found my my niche. I was thinking, how come these founders don't understand how important HR and culture is when right. going through a due diligence? due diligence process. So I, I literally niched myself and those were the clients I went after from then on. That's awesome. That's like, it's, it's such a wonderful in-depth breakdown you guys are doing. I've been like hesitant to want to interrupt, <laughs> but on the heels of what you guys are talking about right now is actually kind of is leads right into my next question for you, which is why do so many business owners avoid focusing on having airtight HR in their companies? Because you're describing it as such a, an important facet of what can make you successful. You're giving clear examples of how it's not, not uncommon at all that somebody can lean into these things and, and make them a big part of the company's success story. Um, so from your experience, I'm sure you talk to a lot of people who are addressing it for the first time. They want the best. They come to you, right? <laughs> I'm sure you have people who are already doing it and want to be better and they come to you. So you have these business owners that are avoiding you know, having airtight HR, you know, why would you think that would be? I believe it's because they think it's very difficult and daunting and they don't know where to start. It's almost now having a second shot at it. I'm thinking it's almost like taxes. How many people get tax penalties and don't do their taxes in time, even though they know logically, they know right. it's something that they have to do. They don't do it because it's too difficult. They don't know where to start. They don't know if it's right. They don't know what they should be doing. I feel HR has taken on that association with founders. It's, it's, it's too complicated. They don't know what to do, where to start, how to do it. Because think about founders and their personalities and what they're focused on. It's usually not something like HR. It's usually yeah. creative, a product, a service, something yep. like that. I agree. I mean, I love your association because I was, when preparation for this, I was thinking about finances and taxes. It's very similar. People avoid their finances just like they avoid HR. I think it's one of these areas where they don't know much about it. It seems daunting and they don't see a direct correlation to how it's going to make an immediate impact in their organization now. So people just avoid it and it goes on and on and eventually they've avoided it so long. It's now this nasty pile of thing over there in the corner that they don't want to go unpack. And so they're just terrified. And I think it's just one of the reasons where I believe all founders, and I'd love to hear your, your, your opinion on this, Katrina. I think all founders need to have an HR attorney and an HR person like yourself actually do an audit of their organization and actually see what gets found and then you find really great resources who can be with you, support you to unpack it and really design it in a conscious way. I think sometimes just like any other coach, you have your accountant who's helping you with your taxes. You have your HR specialist who's helping you with your HR. You have your business consultant helping you with your business or your finance coach or your personal trainer. We all need people standing with us, helping us move through something when they know more than we do, that, that's what it is to be a good founder, right? You surround yourself with a great team and you're, you know, you're part of the team. I agree. And um, I would, I mean, honestly, and this is not for my own benefit, I would, I would seek some, an, HR, an HR consultant before an employment lawyer. Mm, good um, to know. Because a lot of the times, Interesting. yeah, HR consultants have all of the resources. They have all ah. of the documents. Um, and what they do, what HR consultants can do is where a lawyer, they give you a skeleton, right, of, of a document. They're like, here right. you go. We, they already have this. Now you have to go in 
fill it all and out. And finish the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. HR consultant will finish it for you and do it in a way that is aligned with your current culture or the culture that you wish to have. So, and, and, and an HR consultant is typically cheaper. Honestly, employment lawyers, they don't want to do that stuff. They don't want to do contracts. This is, you know, they give it to like a a junior associate or something like that to build it out. Yeah. Where they make their money is, you know, litigation and negotiations and things like that. So at the end of the day, do them a favor and go to someone else like an HR consultant who can help at least build the foundation. And then you have an employment lawyer as somebody to lean on if situations get sticky yeah. Um, and you need some guidance in that aspect. That's what I would do. I love um, it. Yeah. And then just even like I define what your culture is and what you want it to be. Yeah. You know, every, I hear companies like we want to have a great culture. Well, what does that look like to you? I don't know. <laughs> Well, that's right. You can't really get there until you define it. That's right. It needs to be documented. I mean, I'm I'm a big proponent. Of my clients know I like it up on the wall. I want it in the meeting agendas. Like, put it everywhere. It has to be front and center. If it's it's as visual, it's memorable. One hundred percent agree. That's awesome. Yeah, documentation reaches all areas of the business, and I suppose we should leave it to the experts in the HR department for making sure we have good records on things. Right? Heck yeah. Ask an HR person. That, that uh, is so, true. So leading into my next question, which is what are some HR issues you've seen become more prevalent for business owners with the new way of being, right? Like running a business has changed full mm-hmm. stop, especially regarding the people. What's the most common stuff that you're running into that people need help solving? And just generally, what are you seeing become more prevalent? I would say from a lower level time and wage issues with people working from home, how do you manage them clocking out in time if they're not exempt for lunch within the fifth hour, like it is here in California. So I would say from a low level, there's like time and wage issues that need to be addressed from a high level employee performance seems to be the number one thing of inquiries that I get from most of my clients. Like how do we keep them productive? How do we measure them? How do we, you know, keep them engaged? So employee performance. And then second, I would say recruiting and talent Mm. placement. Interesting. Um, What are you seeing there? Those are the two biggest initiatives that I'm running into. Recruiting and talent placement. um, You you know, it's it's no surprise that we're having this like great resignation as they're calling it with people or, you know, they're just they're just evaluating what is important to them and what is meaningful to them, you know, over the pandemic, I'm sure. And so a lot of them are finding employment with businesses that they feel more aligned with, maybe even more passion or, or, you know, the same causes that they care for. Yeah. Um, Or, you know, if their employers are forcing them to come back to the office, a lot of people are leaving to go find fully remote positions. Instead, they they kind of got they like being at home or working from home more. Yeah. Um, So a lot of our clients are looking to fill um, positions at this point. And so what we do with that is we're really looking at their employer branding. How do they look as an employer? If I were to come across a job announcement for our client, would I want to continue reading it? Or is it just a copy and paste from, you know, Indeed or Workable? How do I know that this is a company that cares about the same things that I care about? Yeah, I believe values is taking on a whole nother you know, <laughs> level of importance uh-huh. over the last year or so. So 
we're really working a part of our recruiting process with our clients is what are your values? How do we measure people against them in the recruiting process? And how do we measure your staff against them during the employee, the employee review process? Oh my gosh. Um, So for example, I think core values has become very fluffy to, to a certain extent. And so people are like, look, look, there they are. There are core values. Um, However, they're either, yeah, some of them are, some of them are so long. It's like, it's one of those things, like if you, you, if you stand for everything, you stand for nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Right. Over, over virtue signaling. You can't have 10 core values. No. No one is going to memorize those. No. Number one, it's, you're going to be very hard pressed to find a person that embodies all 10 of them all the time at work. And so my, I, and then, you know, their description is like eight sentences long for each one. Totally. It's, and, it's like a novel. Yes. And so we usually come in, we help them define their core values, shorten them. And there's a whole exercise that I could do with the management team if it's something that they, they really are understanding when I'm telling them these need to change. Um, but, you know, for example, if accountability is one of your core values, you know, accountability you know, taking ownership of everything you do. You, that should be it. It shouldn't be like accountability, blah, 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 right. blah. How do you measure somebody against that? You know, but exactly. you can, I can determine, does Ryan take ownership of everything he does? Always, sometimes, never. Simple. Don't yeah. answer that, Aaron. No, Don't answer I'll that. try. I'll try. <laughs> but so, here's the thing. I, I love, I love where you're going with this. I really, really agree with this. There's so many companies now that were needing to really shape how how are they looked at from the outside. So I love how you just said that. Because a lot of companies that I work with, I'm very big on that companies should make a difference in the world. Their community, the world, they need to make a difference in some way and showcase that and make that authentic and, and enroll your employees into getting behind those causes and missions. And I think that's, that's a lot of what I'm hearing you say is companies need to have a better way that they're showcasing, not just our core values, our mission, our, our customer experience, but also here's what we're doing in the world. So when they're shopping employees, employees get a much better view of like, all right, here's, here's the culture of this company. Here's what they're about. Here's the difference they're making in the world. And oh, yes. And I love this position too. Right. I mean, here's here are some great questions that, you know, I feel founders or your listeners can ask themselves at this point. If they're having trouble with recruiting talent or retaining talent, I would I would say I would ask yourselves, how much effort are you putting in to your employer branding? You how many hours a week or or a month? And then I would mm-hmm. counter that with how many hours are you spending on your product marketing or your service right. marketing? And then I would bridge them together and say these people are going to sell your product. And so <laughs> I I could even argue that it's that more hours should be put towards employer branding and recruiting and talent retention than product, you know, marketing or or service marketing because if you don't have the people to sell it, it wouldn't matter how great your marketing is at that point. And so yeah, you have I, to have a you know yeah, ask yourself if you're if 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 you're a founder, a CEO, or even a head of HR, or you know just a, just a head of any type of company, um, ask yourself that question. You know, how much time have we actually put into our employer branding, into our retaining talent, um, and into recruiting? You know, even something as simple as job posts. 
right? Like yeah. go on Indeed. And if you don't have a company overview on your Indeed, I mean, no one's going to apply for it. Yeah, you know? it's the basics. If you're a company that that manufactures, um, you know, grips for pens and your company name is, you know, Pen Grip USA, that doesn't sound like a sexy job. It doesn't no. sound like an organization that I would want to apply for. However, if you start your job post with a company overview about your mission and you lead into it next with, here's what we can do for you. Here's all of the things we offer. We offer fully paid platinum benefits. We offer paid time off, flexible schedule, blah, blah, blah. Now I'm going to be more inclined to continue reading and then to get to the job scope and the minimum qualifications at the very bottom. I love it. What is that? I mean, my takeaway, everyone needs to sit down with Katrina. They need a couple hours. <laughs> they need a, they need a they need a review. They need a they need an analysis of their business. Katrina, we're sending everybody to you. Clear your schedule. Oh, how about in a couple Okay, that's fine. After, <laughs> after, after, after Yeah, if you vacation. want like a week or two before the floodgates open. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> that would no but in in seriousness, that so, was so helpful. Um, no, absolutely. It was, it's, it's, for me, it's, it's definitely keying in on that. It's a multi-point strategy, right? And people like to think that there's one thing or one initiative they need to go after next, like this one next thing will solve our problem. And it's not a coincidence that it's important for somebody to have their, you know, what together, you know, as a business to be able to attack a multifaceted strategy in any which way, let alone balancing these different things. Cause you, to your point, you're absolutely right. A product that's not water in the desert or something that has the intellectual property cornering of a market or something like that isn't going to sell itself. Yeah. You know, it's, right. it's rare. So, right. So Agreed. you mentioned the, the big thing was about the, the talent, right? Cause I, I agree with you that virtue signaling can be taken too far and that you can be trying to do too much with it. Um, and that it comes off inauthentic or it comes off like, Oh man, this thing went through the processed foods, you know, mill too many times before right. it got to my table. This is not, you know, this doesn't sound good anymore. Um, but what should business owners be doing to en enhance their ability to attract and retain good staff? I mean, I'm sure it's more than just the values, or at least the way that you articulated in our previous segment that the values can be expressed in a way that is healthier and more concise. Right. Number one. Find out what your current employees think about you. Um, so I would I would administer a climate survey. Um, typically, third parties third parties are nice to use for these because employees are more likely to be really honest in these surveys if they if they know that nobody internally are going to be able to see their responses. Yeah. Um, climate survey. Collect the data. Now you have benchmark data on how engaged is my current team? What do they like? What don't they like? Where do we need to like build initiatives around right away? Which ones can we maybe calendar for six months? Um, then I would do a cores, a core values evaluation. Um, are you at, do these values, are they representative of who you are today? You know, and who are, or who you want to be today. Um, another, and, and usually that consists, I mean, there's different ways to go about it. There's, in some situations, I've had to sit with clients in a room with their management team. I give them some pre-work to do. They tell me what their personal values are, because I think one of the biggest misconceptions about values is that there's a difference between organizational values and personal values. I don't know about you all, but I don't walk out of the office and just throw my integrity hat away. Yeah, um, gone. Typically... 
typically who we are as people is are who we are as professionals, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, you know, there shouldn't really be a huge difference between those values. And so what I what I'll do is I'll take all the common personal core values that they all have and I start building out commonalities with them. Then we take the ones that are all in common and compare that to their current organizational values and see like what the discrepancy is. So, you know, for example, if integrity is on everybody's, you know, personal values list, but it's not on the organizational values list, we have a problem, right? There's a huge discrepancy yeah. there. So, you know, that's like a good place, I think, to start. So get the data through a climate survey, talk with the management team and building out these initiatives and take accountability for it. Like, okay, we heard you all. Sorry that we like we made you feel this way, but here's what we're going to do about it. And then you better do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. This is awesome. This is so great. Don't you think, Ryan, they should have a page of notes at this yeah, point. Yeah, these are absolutely these are all actionable insights i mean this is even more of a reason that somebody should not only be listening and watching your content but getting in touch with you which actually is what i want our audience to know is exactly where they can find you more of you and your content and these wisdom insights yes so um our podcast is hr sucks i'm currently on hiatus i will probably come back later on the year but there's 30 episodes there which has a ton of value and a lot of content and you know, if it's not for the faint of heart, I do say ass and shit and bad words on there. So I love if it. you're looking for a hoity-toity, that is not the place to look. Um, our website is gamedayhr.com. I'm on LinkedIn where I'm, you know, putting out content and just usually ramblings of things that are on my mind and or taking some polls to collect data for ourselves as an organization so we can help our clients. Um, you can find me. It's Katrina Gazarian. I'm like literally the only one in the world. So you shouldn't have a hard time finding All right. me. Um, and then I'm on Instagram at Kat Gazarian. Mm, ha haven't been on there as much um, lately, but again, there's just a ton of content already on there. Videos from get, you know, podcast, uh, podcast guests. And when I've guested on podcasts, which I hope I can get some content from you all. Absolutely. Share it so people can come listen, come listen to you and all of your episodes as well. I love Absolutely. It. We are not shy when it comes to being able to, to share and distribute the content. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I, I, we talked a lot about work, a lot about your passions and stuff like that, as it relates to the way that you're able to help other people. Are there any causes or things that you're active in that are very important to you personally that you'd like to raise awareness to, or give a plug to a special cause that you, want to receive more attention from our listeners? Um, yes. So I am, there's, there's two of them. I am a partner in a cause called 5D United. And what we do is we go into schools and programs and offer life skills programs for the children in underprivileged neighborhoods. Um, it's my partner is Michael Cooper and his son, who's a former Laker Hall of Famer. Um, and it's really fun. We often get to take kids to do like a Staples Center tour um, or tour other Lakers or Sparks or any type of professional teams. These kids that just wouldn't otherwise have this opportunity. And we do anti-bullying. We do finance. We help them um, get jobs when they're in high school. It's really fun. It's something I've been doing for about nine years at this point. It's amazing. Um, because I I do believe our children um, should have more resources um, outside of their parents and their home. And so that's something that was 
a really big um, thing for me. And then the second thing is a really cool new project called Hoop Bus. Um, so mm. in case you didn't know, I'm a huge Sounds basketball fun. fan. Um, and Hoop Bus, what they've done, they, they've refurbished school buses with basketball hoops. And so the bus no goes way. to ra random locations and they do a park renovation as part of it. So all of the proceeds go towards renovating a park with new backboards and rims and things like that. Um, and then they host like one-on-one -on -one games. There's um, a group called Basketball Beauties, which is a bunch of badass girl ball players who come in and they play like three-on-three -three tournaments or they play one-on-one -on -one tournaments. Um, and they're touring across the nation. So there's a bus in LA. There's a bus That's in awesome. Chicago. Yeah. And I just really love the premise behind it. It's so colorful. It's really fun. People can come out and play regardless of their skill level. And I love that the parks are being renovated in the process. So that's, that's huge. Bus. Yeah. We'll definitely put those in the show notes that so that all of you can can find those and contribute and get involved. Yeah. Keep Thank those you. happening. Hopefully be able to fund more of them. I mean, the work that that's doing in the community is awesome. Yeah, um, I love my that. older brother, you know, kind of had something going on with that when I was younger and that made a big impression on our family. So um, that's incredible that you're yeah. giving back to your Basketball community in those ways. Basketball was huge for me. I mean, I always say it saved me. It was my first love. So I can't I've, I've always wanted to share that that opportunity with other kids as well. Katrina, have you heard of uh, Just oh. in Time for Foster Youth? I haven't. So a couple uh, other Gen X members, um, it's very similar. I, I would love to get you know involved with what you're doing. It's very much aligned with what I what I love. So Just in Time for Foster Youth is an organization I support down here, and it's for foster youth that need mm -hmm. people like us to mentor them. So it's 18 to 26 year olds, and you know oh they're gosh. they're out of the house, but they have no real adult in their life. So I teach finance and entrepreneurship and business. And it's, it's such an amazing organization working with young people and teaching them these life skills like you're talking about, teaching them finance, entrepreneurship, all these amazing things that are available to them that they don't know is available to them. So I would love to get behind that organization that is very much in my, my bullseye of the, the kind of uh, youngsters I want to impact. So that is so great. Yeah, that would be cool. And I could do, you know, interviewing workshops oh my God, with huge. resume building. Yeah, I mean, it's always what's that that uh, like you could give him if you give a man a fish for a day, he'll eat for a day. But if you teach him how to fish, he'll eat for I don't know. I don't read the Bible, but I'm or sure in this case, how like to that. interview for a job properly. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, or that. that. <laughs> the, ma the massive potential. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> or you teach a guy how to buy a fishing business. He'll never go hungry. So yeah, Oop. so I, I definitely want to thank you for you know being a slam dunk guest, um, even if uh, uh, if we're not actually able to play basketball against each other in real life. Uh, you definitely feel like a, a worthy uh, three on three com competition partner, if you ask me. <laughs> if you've got that experience, um, and it, having you on the show today was incredibly insightful. Um, yeah. You know, we don't we don't get that kind of objective, perceptive lens over an area that is often ignored. You know, we're very, very hands-on with all areas of business. We're sharing all these tools and concepts and conversations, but HR is an area where you are absolutely right. And you've helped a lot of minds change today. I'm sure our audience is really interested in, in getting more um, of the brand from uh, you know, listening to HR sucks and things like that. So I want to thank you again for joining us today, uh, Katrina. It was wonderful. Uh, like I said, it was, uh, it was definitely a slam dunk having you on. <laughs> 
Totally. And I, I look forward to not only doing another episode with you in the future, uh, but for us to maybe have a, a recap or some other content, maybe we can follow up with you for either our newsletter or a future uh, piece of content to see how things have kind of progressed through this work from home hybrid stuff um, as we go through these different changes. Would you be up for something like that? Oh, always. I mean, the pleasure was truly mine. I'm so privileged that you all chose me to cover this topic out of, you know, there's a ton of great HR experts out there, to be honest. Um, so the fact that you, you know, took a chance on a small town girl like me, oh. I'm just so thankful. Oh, you know, it was <laughs> Emmy, a long line. The Emmy goes too. <laughs> small, yeah. small town being Los Angeles. <laughs> right. That's it. That's it. All right. Well, again, I, I thank you again so much. It was really a pleasure. And Aaron, as always, thank you for having the incredible network that you do to bring such wonderful guests to help enhance the way that we are trying to bless this, this wonderful earth of ours <laughs> with all the knowledge and wisdom that people are lacking in different areas of business. Um, so to our wonderful audience, thank you so much for watching and for listening. However you are viewing this, make sure to please find and subscribe to the Buildify Method podcast on any of your platforms of choice. If you're watching this most likely on YouTube, please mash that subscribe button and also hit the bell icon. So when we launch new episodes, you're able to get those notifications and you can make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, those Apple podcast reviews do help us greatly get in touch with other like-minded entrepreneurs such as yourself so we can keep growing this community of sharing and tools and wisdom that we are creating for everybody. So with that, I've been Ryan. That's been Aaron. This has been Katrina. Thank you so much, all everybody, for listening and watching. We will talk to you very, very soon. Bye, y'all. Bye.